John, one of the things I love about the NFL is so many of the games feel so epic. And an NFL game doesn't even have to be well played or or all that important to feel epic. And what would happen on Sunday, U.S. Bank Stadium, Vikings get down 14-0, they come back, they win in the last 25 seconds. I mean, there were just there's just so much there. There's so many tentacles. There's so many interesting storylines. The big storyline, of course, Vikings are two and one. They're gonna play a bad Saints team. They're going to play a bad Bears team. They could be 4-1 and one going for a showdown at Miami in mid-October. Uh, they are interesting, if nothing else. Let's get into all the permutations here on the Viking Update show with John Krasinski. John, of course, with The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Uh, special thing to, to promote this week. Uh, John's John Krasinski show, that's our Timberwolves show, an NBA show here at TalkNorth.com, will be live 7 p.m. Friday night, September 30th at Headflyer Brewing. Uh, if you're a Viking fan, you want to come by and ask a Viking question or two, that's fine. John will get there early and schmooze anyway. Uh, so, you know, we have lots of time to kick around different stuff. Dane Moore, who does a really good Vikings, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Timberwolves podcast will be there with us and it's a cool place to hang out. Come join us there. Thanks also to our sponsors on this show, uh, the Minnesota state lottery, grain belt camo pack. And of course our longtime sponsor, Starbank, starbank.net. So I told you what I felt after coming out of the stadium yesterday, that that was, you know, highly entertaining. What was your takeaway, John? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a super fun game to watch, at least in the fourth quarter, especially as it was kind of the momentum was swinging back and forth. Um, I certainly did have really two takeaways. One is uh, good on the Vikings for taking advantage of opportunities that did finally present themselves. KJ Osborne played really well. Kirk Cousins made some big throws down the stretch. The defense got a timely stop or two, but kind of my other prevailing reaction was kind of a whew uh they dodged a bullet big time there because I do think the Detroit Lions were the better team for most of that game and really kind of gave the game up as the Lions often do I mean we I think we've seen this team and there's a lot of belief that that the Lions can be better than they have been and are turning a corner and I you know from a talent aspect it sure looked that way but Man, Dan Campbell, um, with some of the decisions that were made, some of the plays that were called, uh, really allowed this the Vikings to get back into a game that really they probably didn't have any business being in with the way that things are going through three quarters. No doubt about it. Uh, let's start here. I think the easiest way to analyze this Vikings team through the summer and the earliest part of the schedule was if Daniil Hunter and Zedaria Smith provide a pass rush. They have a chance to be really good. If they don't, they're, they might be in trouble. Yesterday, zero sacks on a stationary quarterback who was trying to throw the ball downfield. Uh, now, Daniel Hunter did make a big a big play in the run game late. Zary Smith made a big play late before he got uh, at least temporarily hurt. It's not like they didn't play well. But, man, uh, this secondary will not survive a season if these, these guys don't provide a pass rush. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jared Goff was not really touched for much of the game. And I do think like that's even more glaring uh, Sunday because usually the Vikings defense and the pass rush in particular just seems a step quicker at home uh, with the crowd behind it um, on the fast turf, all of that stuff. But um, man, they uh, they just were not really a, a regular presence uh, in that game against the Lions. I think the Lions have a very, very good 
offensive line. And so they did a really nice job of, of, of picking up pressure of, of keeping Jared Goff clean. And I do think that Jared Goff has gotten to a point in his career where he has better recognition of where the pressure is coming from and how to just avoid it in the pocket. But yeah, I mean, I think that obviously they looked really, really good in week one against green Bay, but that's now two weeks in a row where they have not been effective at all. And, uh, you know, we could s- explain it away last week with Jalen Hurts being mobile and the the Philadelphia Eagles being a very, very good team and all of this. Uh, a lot of those excuses were out the window uh, against the Lions. And I do think it's an improved Lions offense. I do think Jared Goff is better than he has been. Um, I really do like their offensive line, but they have to find a way to get home or else – uh, they're going to end up losing games. I, you know, I thought that, you know, Amon St. St. Brown and, um, you know, shark and a, a bunch Reynolds. of their receivers yeah. were just, they were running free because there yep. wasn't much pressure. So, um, we'll see what happens going forward, but that's got to change starting in London or else, uh, it, the pressure on this secondary is going to just be ratcheted up even more. And we saw just how little they think of, scenes readiness that he was healthy and he didn't play uh when they had an obvious and Metellus I guess did fine uh and Bynum you know is fine but but man uh your first two draft picks were spent on fixing the secondary and neither guy has played Booth is still injured scenes healthy and not playing which might be an even worse sign yeah and I we we were talking to Metellus after the game and he said basically that he was ready to go for the game and ready to be called upon. And, but he did say, and I thought it was interesting, he did say that, you know, Lewisine has been dealing with some injuries and is still getting all the way back healthy. So the only real point for optimism right now around Lewisine is you say maybe he just qu- isn't quite physically ready. We did see him on special teams a little bit uh, in the game. So if he's good enough to play there, he should be good enough to play defensively. But yeah, I think it's a real, um, it's a real thing to watch. I don't want to panic yet or anything with, with him, but when your first round draft pick first doesn't earn a starting job out of camp. And some of that is injury related, but I think some of it also is performance related. And then when he is not the first one off the bench, when you lose a starter, then you have to start to watch that a little more closely and ask questions about is, is, is he, cut out for this. Now it's still so early in his career and you want to give him some time and you want to let him get a, a little healthier and get a good uh, feel for things and really give him a chance. But it's not been a, a promising first impression for Lewis scene. And they really, let's face it. They really, really need him, especially if Harrison Smith with the concussion, if, if it, he's getting older, you got to think maybe there's a chance of other injuries coming up. Um, with, with him down the down the line, they're going to need Lewis seen at some point, and he at least right now he just doesn't seem ready. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm hearing is he is not. It's not just the physical; he's really just not adapting to the NFL defense yet. And listen, maybe maybe once it clicks in, he's going to be fine. He could still have a, a prognosis for a great long term career, but he doesn't sound like he's going to be of much immediate help. So you know, it'll be really interesting to see how they handle Smith's concussion. Uh, flying eight hours with a, uh, concussion symptoms doesn't sound like a lot of fun. It'd be really interesting to see how they handle him and Dalvin Cook on a trip to London. Uh, so. Dan Campbell decided to go for it 
on almost every reasonable fourth down, even some that might not have been that reasonable. And here, here this is why this is fascinating. If, if you talk to old school football people, you say, you know, punt it, you know, don't take any chances, rely on your defense, play field position. You talk to new analytics people, it's like go on every fourth down. You know, the numbers say that eventually it's going to work in your favor. The reality is that it's going to be somewhere in the middle when you're actually coaching a real team and you're dealing with the consequences of your decisions. Campbell went for it. He, he went, he, he basically, if it was, there was any rationale for going for it, he went for it until, until he tried a 53 or whatever yard field goal that ended up giving the Vikings great field position. I almost felt like the field goal in that situation was the worst of the possibilities. If you go for it and you make the first down, the game's over, you win. If you go for it and, and don't make it, at least you're probably, you know, maintaining some kind of field position advantage. Uh, trying the field goal that I thought the guy was going to miss going in, handing the Vikings another eight yards of field position, I thought that really set the Vikings up to win. Yep, and, and Dan Campbell said it afterward. He said he regrets that decision, and he should, because I was fully on board with the way that he was playing that game up until that point. I loved the aggressiveness, Jim, because I don't think that they were scared of the Vikings' defense at all, and I don't think they had to be scared. And there were two fourth downs that I took a lot of – uh, exception to and the first one was that one because yes I think that either you go for it you you go for it either way because that's a 54 yard field goal that is not a chip shot by any means your kicker's already missed one he doinked it and so what are we doing doing that because you give the the Vikings such great field position in that situation and your offense has been moving the ball um so ha- be confident in them and try and get it. And then if you don't get it, I mean, eight yards, isn't the, the, a world of difference, but it does help a little bit in terms of when you're talking about short clock situation and putting more pressure on Kirk cousins and the offense. The other one was, I think earlier in the fourth quarter, maybe in the third, I think it was the fourth where they had, they were in, they were close to, I think in Vikings territory It was fourth down and maybe four or so, maybe even two, and they ran a kind of that wheel route down the sideline yep. and and got through it deep down the sideline when all game long they were getting whatever they wanted shallow with yep. St. Brown and you know running these crossing patterns and things like that. That seemed to be like the gimme is to do it that way rather than increase the degree of difficulty. And they, they had one-on-one with Patrick Peterson, but still that's a tough throw to make and a tough catch, and, and that didn't work out. So um, – I overall applaud the aggressiveness. And so I just, it was a real head scratcher there for Dan Campbell to, to, to not be aggressive in that final situation because, and, and, and see to this Jim is that even if he made the field goal, you're still only up six. Like that, that that doesn't do you a whole lot of good. Yeah. You can't, you can't, um, they can't force overtime with just a field goal, but really they're going to be going for a touchdown in that situation. If they're down six, Whereas if they're down three, you know, maybe they're maybe they're kind of backing off a little bit. So I just think that um, all of the factors weighed in um, for Detroit to go for it in that situation. And Campbell afterward was really kicking himself for it, as he should have been. 
Best way to listen to this show or our network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see all the shows as they are released. Uh, appreciate you listening. We have the best sports lineup in town. Cheryl Reeve, Michael Russo, uh, John Millay, Jeff Diamond, John Krasinski, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, Mike Grimm, uh, Dave Lee, Blaise Olson. We have all, all kinds of variety stuff as well as the sports. We also have outdoor content uh, that's very popular. Check it all out at TalkNorth.com. Thanks for listening. Uh one takeaway, we're, after our break, we're going to talk about Cousins and the receivers and J.J. and the Saints game in London and all that stuff. I did find it really interesting. Thielen continues uh, to just praise the heck mm-hmm. out of this organization from top to bottom and the coaching staff and the, the front office. It's really interesting because he has been consistently doing that regardless of you know whether he has a big game or not. So it sounds very genuine. Uh what do you do? You think that is just a natural reaction to the change from Zimmer to O'Connell, or is there something deeper there? I, I do think that I, I think that there's just generally more trust in what this offensive set of coaches is doing on a daily basis in terms of scheme, in terms of practice, in terms of game day. All of those things. There's just more faith in in the plan. Uh, both in the short term and the long term, and I, I'm with you, Jim. We were both there for Thielen uh, in the in the locker room after the game, and that that did strike me again. It just seems like he's really doubling down on the positive, the positivity being directed toward Kevin O'Connell, toward Wes Phillips, toward just what they're building from a workplace standpoint. And I do think part of it is a continued reminder of uh, what it was like before that O'Connell arrived. And also I think his effort to show that maybe this is the way they have to be right now while the adversity is coming and leaning into the culture, the um, connectedness, the all of that stuff right now, because he Adam Thielen really believes that that is going to be what gets them through maybe this early part of the schedule while they clearly are not all the way in sync, while things are not going perfectly for them. And I, I read it as basically Adam saying last year we would have lost this game and this year we stayed together and we didn't. And that might seem like a little revisionist history, but I, I tend to agree with them a little bit. I thought last year's team was very selfish, was very, um, was the opposite of resilient, whatever that word is, and and kind of gave in when things were not going their way. And a lot of that was frustration with leadership and all of that and all of that stuff. And also internally, I mean, selfishness on, on the part of the players, including Thielen. Um, and so this time around, it, it just seems like this team is more together. Now, what does that mean for the long haul and what they're going to finish this year? I'm not sure, but they have to lean into that right now or else, um, you know, it, it, it or else the, it, it could go from bad to worse quickly. And they were down 14, nothing. They were down, uh, they were down 24, 14, right in the fourth quarter. And they, they hung in there and I think they got it give gifted to them a little bit, but they made the plays in the end that they had to make. And and that's something different from what we've seen from this team in recent vintage. 
I, I will say this is just a point of fact. They did come back and have a dramatic victory against the Lions last year. They've had a couple of those, mm-hmm. but it was such a dysfunctional victory. It was, yes. It was yes. you know, I, I, my, my column the morning of that game uh, was, hey, if they lose the Lions, they might as well just fire everybody now. You know, mm-hmm. and I was told that uh, they made sure that Mike Zimmer did not see those clips. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, usually, usually PR staffs they provide a book of clips, yep. so so the front office and the coaching staff know it's being written about their team. Uh, I was told they hid my column from Mike Zimmer <laughs> the morning of the game, and then they win. And Cousins, we now now turns to Zimmer as the game winning kick goes through and says. I just saved your job, which is like he was referring to my column. I mean, it, I'm, he actually wasn't. but uh, yeah. And then Zimmer looked like he wanted to punch him. I mean, it was the most dysfunctional victory I've ever seen. Yes. And, and I mean, that was absolutely, I think, the, the right attitude to have after that game, which was, I mean, at, at, as much as this game was given to the Vikings, at least they made some big plays down the stretch yep. to go and win it. Like, um, you know, they had the big stop on fourth down and then they went down and, and, um, and cousins hits Osborne a couple of times and they score that game last year. I just remember it being so unsatisfying of a victory. That lions team was terrible. They won what three games all season long and, um, and, and really should have won just an ugly sloppy garbage football game. And they didn't because they just kicked it away. Um, this game was played at a higher level um, and and the Lions are a better team this year. And and so there is, I think, a little bit more of a reason a, that you can still be just like overwhelmingly relieved that they, that you were given that opportunity. But B, also know that you beat a pretty good football team that I think is going to win some games this year. I mean, I think they're going to. I don't know what the, I don't know what they're going to finish with, but that's not a three-win team anymore. And um, and so um, I, I just, yeah, the vibe was entirely different. Um, Alec Lewis from the from the Athletic wrote in his piece just about after the game how O'Connell and Donatel were hugging, how O'Connell and Cousins were really slapping each other on the back, how everyone was both relieved but also euphoric. And last year it was more of like man relieved but almost begrudgingly relieved because maybe some people believe that had that loss gone down they would a lot of players would have gotten the change they wanted quicker than it actually happened let's get into the receivers next first i want to let you know that big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services i'd like to tell you about star bank star bank is an independent community bank in minnesota they're family owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority you're not a customer number at star bank and they have no call center it's just banking how it should be a throwback to the good days mobile app check convenient services you got it check out star bank for yourself for deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares, starbank.net, member FDIC and equal housing lender. We'd also like to thank the Minnesota State Lottery, the Vikings scratch-off game edition. It's the time of year to go big, to grab your passion by the horns, to let your purple flag fly. The Minnesota Lottery's Vikings big ticket scratch game is here to help you do just that. With $10.2 million in total cash prizes, you'd think that's as big as it gets. But the ticket is so large, it has huge second-chance prizes, too. So say I'm in. Minnesota Lottery. Must be 18 or older to go big. Thanks also to the Grain Belt Camo Pack. A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. 
May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight pointers and the 12 ounces. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24 pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. And quickly a reminder, 7 p.m. Friday night, Head Flyer Brewing, uh, a Timberwolf show with John Krasinski, but we will have you happily talk about the Vikings if you want to show up and talk about that as well. Highly recommend it, though, if you're a Wolves fan, come out and listen to John and Dane Moore break down the team. Uh, so it's such an interesting concept. Okay, you got to go to the open receiver, right? Okay, then the def- defense takes away your best receiver. Then you always just go away from your best receiver. Of course not. Uh, Jerry Rice wouldn't have 20,000 receiving yards if uh, they didn't throw to him when he was double teamed. You have to get the ball to your best player. But they did take advantage of the overemphasis on Jefferson down the stretch by getting it to Osborne for some big plays. But where do you stand on the, you know, the way – Jefferson has been defended the last two games, and the fact the Vikings have not found a way to get him open or get the ball to him. Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, clearly after that week one debut against the Packers and how incredible that he looked, um, the rest of the NFL world has taken notice. They are scheming against him and basically saying, we are going to let anyone on the Vikings beat us other than Justin Jefferson. And it worked like a charm in Philadelphia because Kirk Cousins couldn't make the plays to, to other receivers to, to, to take advantage of one-on-one opportunities. It did not work against Detroit. And I think that Jefferson um, again, saw a lot of shadow coverage um, from from the Lions and just sticking one cornerback on him and following him around their best guy, just like Philadelphia did. And I, I would expect that until they, until the Vikings show that they can do something to combat that, uh, they're, they're going to just keep seeing it again and again. Now, f- thankfully for the Vikings, from the Vikings' perspective, K.J. Osborne made a couple of huge catches on that last drive. Adam Thielen, after being largely absent for the first two and a half games, of the season really came alive in the second half, third and fourth quarter started moving the chains, started taking advantage of his one-on-one matchups and winning those matchups and, and, and getting the Vikings to help move the ball down the field, caught his 50th touchdown as well. So that's what this is going to have to be is the Vikings are going to have to exploit the mismatches elsewhere to get, opposing defenses out of their you know, double teaming, sometimes triple teaming Jefferson to reopen some more opportunities for Jefferson. And um, maybe the way that they did that on Sunday will help kind of going forward a little bit, maybe put a little doubt in some of the opposing defenses minds, but, um, but still I do think that they can do a better job of getting the ball in Jefferson's hands and, and scheming him open the Rams last year, Cooper cup was by far, by far, um, their, their, their number one option and every NFL team knew it and they tried to take him away and had very little success doing that. And so I think that the Vikings have to get to a point where even if you want to take Justin Jefferson away, you can't completely shut him out, but three catches for 14 yards, uh, in that game yesterday, 
that was really glaring. And if they end up losing that game, um, and there's going to be a lot harder questions going in that angle. And so it's something to watch going forward here. Just a quick note. Um, I know he doesn't fit into a modern offense as an every down player, but man, it feels like to me, every time CJ Ham's on the field, he does something yeah, good. You're right. Yep, it is. And, you know, sometimes we, in the past, you know, we kind of have fun with, oh, check down to the fullback, whether yep. it's Ham, whether it's Tahi in space, whether it's what, you know, going all the way back. Um, you, th- that there is that, but, but Ham does have another dimension to him. Now, clearly he is, a huge part of opening holes for Dalvin cook in the running game. and does, it does a great job that way. But uh, we saw him make a couple of plays in the passing game yesterday as well. He is more than just a big bruiser ground and pound type guy. He is athletic. He can move a little bit. He can fall forward and, and, and keep the chains moving. And, and so I think he has become a really valuable piece of this offense. I was watching the game Sunday night, the Niners and bucks and, and the Niners have Kyle Juszczyk, who's this sort of jack-of-all-trades fullback who made this unbelievable toe-tap mm-hmm. sideline catch and and stuff like that. And Ham isn't in that category quite, but he certainly is a guy who has the physical tools and the uh, versatility to be a weapon offensively and be more than just you know a a, uh, a sixth offensive lineman or something like that in the running game. And, and I think they're starting to kind of realize that and – and incorporate a little bit that more in the offense. And I would expect to see more of that kind of going forward as well, because it is a reliable little element just to keep it moving when Jefferson or Thielen or, or, and and Osborne, ever all these guys are are getting more of the attention down the field. Yeah. And Tahi was not going to break a tackle. Uh, I asked asked Eric Hendricks once about CJ Ham. He said, he's one of the biggest, fast guys I've ever been around and he's one of the fastest big guys I've ever been around there is there's something there there's some athletic ability some and he can break a tackle uh he can he can pick up yards in the open field he can lead a sweep he can lead a he can lead a, an inside running play he can you know clear away on a screen he can he can catch a screen he, he's a good player now you're not going to build your offense around a fullback but uh I do like it when he's on the field uh yeah let's get to London now have you been to London I I was there for the Olympics. Yes, that's right. You and I were yep. there for the Olympics. Yeah. I, I, so I've been three times: two Vikings games and one Olympics. And I think you and I are of the same mind. It's just a, it's a great city. Uh, I highly, you know, it's I don't know if nobody's going to book a trip this late to go to London, but I would highly recommend if you hear this and you're a Viking fan and, and the Vikings play a future game in London or in Europe, you got to go. It's just it's just yeah. a blast. It's it's fantastic. Um, uh, my, so I, I, I covered three Olympics. It was London, Sochi and Rio. Um, and I will say that London was my favorite by far because it was more about the way that the games were set up. Like we were right in London yep. and yep. you could walk around the city. You had a real sense of the place. You got to mingle with the locals. You got to go to the events. You got to you really, it, it felt like you were in London while you were doing it. it. With Sochi, it definitely wasn't that way. And with Rio, you were still kind of like sequestered and shuttled around, shuttled around so much that it was really hard to, to soak up the atmosphere as much. Um, but with London, we were able to, and they pulled that off in an unbelievably great fashion. And um, it's it, for, for people who are listening and, and, and thinking about traveling, Bring your money because it's expensive, but it is a 
it's a it's a fantastic city. It's got a great energy about it, um, and the uh, just unbelievable history, very cool scenery, um, all sorts of awesome things to do. And the the added bonus, Jim, of a London trip is you are definitely going to lose weight on the trip because the food is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) The food is awful, but everything else about it is is fantastic. So funny because I've been to London three times. I've covered seven Olympics. London was my favorite for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, And the fact that, you know, and when this is inside writing stuff, but when you cover an Olympics, you're mostly at the mercy of the Olympic transport system. Yes. And to be in London, to be able to just jump on a tube and go anywhere you wanted efficiently and pop out and be in a cool little neighborhood. It was fantastic. Uh, Here's my, here's my London food experience. Um, Stayed in London with the Vikings once there was no good food around. It was awful. Like you said, it was inedible. Uh, Covered in the Olympics. Ate most, you know, ate mostly uh, media food yeah, because by the time McDonald's. you got done working at night, everything was closed. There was like one takeout pizza place that I would eat at just because the only place was still open. Because the pubs are beautiful, but the pubs close early. They close way like, too early. Way yeah, too early. they are not like American, you know, dive bars that might stay up until two and you can get a, a pizza or a burger or something like that. Uh, one time, we the the maybe the second Vikings trip, we stayed in a really more upscale area of maybe marble, marble arch or something more upscale scale area of London. And if you walked in the right direction, there was like the most idyllic little village of great restaurants. It was fantastic. But if you didn't know where it was, then you were going to end up eating really bad pot pies. Yeah. That's see, I, I kept walking around there and my wife came afterward and we, um, we, uh, spent another basically 10 days, both in London and Scotland, um, you know, kind of going around and seeing the sights and stuff. It was awesome. But, um, but I, I, I was always thinking to myself, Jim, like I am in literally maybe one of the, what, three or four best cities in the entire world. Like that's not hyperbole. Like London is one of the, it's a top five city in the world. It might be the best. Yeah. And it might be the best. And, and I was like, I, I just kept thinking the food cannot be this bad. Like it's impossible. Like how can you have a city, this cosmopolitan, this cultured, this historic with all this money um, in it and you have food this terrible size. So I, I kind of felt like I must've just been missing some of the pockets of the great eating spots. And so I'm sure they are there. And I, I believe you hundred percent that you found yours. But the, the frustration for me was like around here, you can pop into a Maxwell's downtown. You can pop into um, any any little sports bar or pub or whatever. And you can usually get like a solid burger and fries or chicken sandwich or pizza or something. And then you think, yeah, that's good. You know, it, 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 I'm not looking for five star, but I'm looking for something that that tastes good with a beer and, and I can relax, you know, after a game or something like that. There, you go into the just the normal average everyday pubs, of which there are a million of them around London. The food has zero flavor to it. And yeah, and every menu is the exact same. Chicken pot pie, 
this or that or that. There's like four items on the menu. And it's just like, I couldn't eat like it. And it, I legit, I, I came back from London as skinny as I've been since high school, just because I had this, this, this role with AP there where I was running around all over the place and I was not eating and it, it, it turned out fine, but I had the time of my life. It was great. But man, I just, I was just like, where in the hell can I get a decent meal? And you just couldn't find one. Well, that's why when they, Britain colonized India, India became the most popular food. It was the, it, was, it had flavor. It was yeah. the first food they'd ever tried that had flavor. <laughs> it's amazing. What a little spice, a little, uh, just a little bit of a shake a shake on 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 your on your chicken pot pie will do for you. So yeah, London was my favorite Olympics, and I I really regret that Tokyo was uh, a COVID Olympics because I think yeah. Tokyo might have even surpassed London under mm-hmm. the right circumstance. All right, back to football. Uh, the Vikings should beat the Saints. They should be three and one a few days from now. Uh, any concerns about this game? Uh, a couple of them, Jim. One is you know Dalvin Cook with his shoulder um, when he first got uh when he first went down and the way that he grabbed his shoulder i thought he broke mm-hmm. his collarbone Me it too. does not appear that he has done that um he was in the locker room i saw him after the game moving around okay um but and 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 o'connell said that he'd get further examination called him day to day but you never know like right afterward if that's entirely accurate or not so we'll see what they say about his condition going forward but if he can't play that's a big problem because I do think that the Vikings had a real hard time getting moving uh, in the you know in the first half, especially. And, and Dalvin Cook was really all that they had going, and and so that was the first glimmers of the old Dalvin Cook that we've seen this season. He was shifty. He was making people miss. He was falling forward. He was he was getting big chunks of yardage. And Madison's a solid player, but um, but I would like sure like to see him on the field in London to, to, to feel good about the Vikings chances. And then, I mean, I think going back to it, um, they got to find a way to, to, to get Hunter and Harris, Aaron Smith going uh, in the pass rushing game as well. And, and they've, they've been largely absent now for two games. And I, I was starting to wonder yesterday, Jim, if like we're kind of in that, limbo stage of a defense converting from the four, three to the three, four. And maybe this is going to take a year or two for the Vikings to get the personnel to fully fit into this system, because there's some guys that just don't look entirely comfortable right now. And maybe they will get more comfortable as the season goes along and they'll settle in. But I just don't see a group that is, connected and that where the the pieces and the scheme are fitting together seamlessly right now it feels like like a a a group in general that is that is trying to be molded into something that it just isn't right now and and that's taken some time to adapt uh yeah very well said that's exactly what i would say about all this too let's let's go ahead and make our dopey pick for the week uh i'm gonna take vikings over I just think the Vikings are better than the Saints. I think it's that simple. I don't think there's a home play field advantage in play. I think they'll be healthy enough. I just don't. I mean, Jameis Winston is back to being Jameis Winston. They missed that franchise misses Sean Payton. Uh, Kamara does not look very. I'm wondering if he's hurt. He does not look very dynamic right now. Michael Thomas isn't what he used to be. So 
I don't know if it'll be easy, but I will take Vikings 25, Saints 18. 25, okay. Um, yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. One thing so far, we have not really seen this Vikings defense force turnovers. They've had, they, they get one or two here or there, but, um, but it hasn't really been kind of in the flow of, of a, of a game and, and, and really kind of because they are just being chaotic and harassing the defense. I think they did get one from, from Rogers because, he sort of forced it, and he was frustrated with some of the pressure that they were putting on him, so that was good. But these last two games, nothing really to write home about, but the Saints will give you the ball. Jameis Winston will throw interceptions. Alvin Kamara will fumble it. And so I do think that, similar to this last week, where if the Vikings just stay close and hang in there long enough, your opponent will give you the game. And that's the way I see it. I don't think Dennis Allen is a very good coach. Um, I don't think that... The Saints have a ton of talent around uh, the, around Jameis Winston. I mean, I like Kamara a lot, but he seems to have fallen off a little bit. And so I'm going to say Vikings, because of the the travel, and it's kind of weird that they're traveling so late in the week. Um, so I don't know how that's going to play into it, but I'm going to say um, I'm going to say Vikings twenty Saints thirteen. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to get much going offensively and it'll just be kind of a, a yawn fest um, over there and then they'll come home and, and play again. Uh, but, and just what I was hearing yesterday about the travel is that the research is indicating that if you can go really early in the week and spend an entire week there and really adapt your body clocks, that might give you an advantage. If you can't go early then you might as well go fairly late because you're not going to, you're just going to be dealing with the same thing, whether they're two, one or two or three days. So the, the, the new thinking is if you're not going to go in early, just go in whenever it's most convenient and just get through it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an, it's entirely possible. Um, we'll, I guess, I guess we'll see. I want to, you know, um, I, I, I don't know the, the bottom and you're probably right, Jim, like the bottom line is like, this is a, a tough trip on, on a team. Um, no matter what, and either you go early in the week and then you're kind of tired at the end of the week by going through all of the, the, the circus atmosphere and everything, or you go late in the week and you're still a little jet lagged and they ask you to do all these promotional appearances and all this stuff. And then you're worn out by game time. So there's probably no good way. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'll say I'm intrigued to see how they handle that part of it. I don't, I don't know that I'm, you know, that I'm fully bought in that, that, going late in the week is, 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 is going to be any sort of benefit for them. So we'll see. Yep. We will see. We'll be back next week to talk about it. And uh, by that point, the Vikings very well might be three and one and uh, people will be talking about the Super Bowl once again.